0: Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Santa Scene Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Drew Zimmerman. I am with my other co-host. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ryan Sharp. We are here. Uh, this is our second episode. First full episode, actually. Um, and today we are discussing, um, we're talking about sophomore albums. And more particularly, uh, the ones I'm tackling are sophomore albums that really put a band on the map, Um, Bands that are so big now, but their first album didn't absolutely nothing for them until that second album came out and put them on a map. And then everybody knew about that first album. Um, Ryan and I are going to talk about that a little bit. Of course, if you're listening to us, thank you for joining us. We appreciate the fact that you're taking your time out of your day to listen to us babble like a bunch of idiots. Um, if you like us, which I hope they do, Ryan, I really hope they do. Because if not, I don't know why you're here or I'm here. Um, pl- they will, please give us a review on wherever you found us, whether it's Apple podcasts, SoundCloud, Facebook, what TikTok, I don't know why we'd be on TikTok, but you never know this day and age. Um, give us a four or five star review for five, but you know, as, as restaurants go, if, if I get a four, people still want to come here. So I'll take that. Um, you can say anything you want. I don't care what you say about me. You can say that the caviar was eh, a bit off par, but it's still a four-star quality restaurant. I'll take that.
1: Yeah, critics, if you're listening, three stars is fine too.
0: Nah, I critics. don't know. Nah, I don't know. Nah, I, I, need, I need a four or five just so we look better around everybody else. It, it's, it's honestly – it's an ego thing for me. It's like when I have to be Big Spoon. I, it's an ego thing. It's not because – I think I'm bigger than the person I'm with. It's more because it's an ego thing and it makes me feel better about myself at the end of the day. So I need that four or five. Ryan doesn't. Ryan's a lot more humble than I am. I'm I'm very needy. It's because I'm a ginger. So, um, what we're gonna do, since this is our first full episode, nobody knows what we're doing yet. So we have a couple things that we would like to do at the beginning of episodes. Um to start with, Mr. Sharp. Ryan, every week for the start of each episode is going to be bringing us a top five list and he is going to tell us what the top five list is and then him and I are going to make a top five kind of off of our heads. We'd be lying if we said it was off our heads, Ryan. We, we, We know what we're talking about and we did a little bit of research going into it and thought about this a little bit so it looks better for everybody. So... Ryan's going to give you this week's top five. He's going to give me his top five list. I'll give him mine. We'll go back and forth on that, and then we'll move on. So for this week's
1: episode, the top five will be opening lines of an album. So these are the first words spoken. We understand that some albums will have an instrumental intro, and that does not count. So if these lyrics begin on track two, that's fair game.
0: Okay, fair enough. Cool, because I have some thoughts on ones that had intro tracks, but I wasn't sure on that. Okay. Like, do I just tell him that the the opening line was a guitar? It was an it was a guitar. That was my favorite. <laughs> now. All right. So, what do you think in there?
1: For number one, and this is I don't start going with number back one. Don't I,
0: don't 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 give them don't give them number the goods five. First. Start with five and work your number way to five. your number one. There you go. Don't give them the goods right off the what bat. What I was just
1: saying. <laughs> is there is an intro for this one? And these lyrics begin on track two of the album called Chuck. Do you know the band yet?
0: Oh, uh, it's Sum 41. I know which one you're going with. Yeah. Sum 41. You're good.
1: And the song is No Reason. And the line is, all of us believe that this is not up to you. The fact of the matter is that it's up to me. And then it goes chanting. It's like,
0: hey! Hey, that's it's a good, a really one. good. I don't know why I didn't think of that one. That's a really good
1: anthem one. type of vibes sound. And what made me think of this one in particular is our drummer for my band. This is his favorite Sum 41 song. He's a massive Sum 41 fan. He likes thrash metal more than he likes pop punk, but this is where they cross over. So it's a complete vacation for him to listen to this album. But I
0: love that album. The reason, it's a good song.
1: It's not my favorite Sum 41 album, but maybe we can talk about that later. But it is probably oh no, their
0: heaviest. By far, not favorite album, but yes, I would agree. It's heavy, one of their heavier ones, and I I listened to a couple songs on that album, especially that one. So yeah, that's a good one.
1: It was all on a video game called NFL Street. 2. I had that
0: on GameCube.
1: I had that. It was great. That's the first place I heard it. Video game soundtracks are definitely shaped our music interest in God some way or the other.
0: Bless Tony Hawk. <laughs> and that big
1: announcement that came
0: uh, yesterday. Tony Hawk
1: two wanted to
0: be remastered. Oh man. Now of course when you guys listen to this, this will be old news, but to us this just happened, so we're in our glory. But all right. So yeah, we're still th- riding that high. Right. So back to this. So okay, so what do you, what do you got next for me? Should I start with
1: lyrics or should I start with the album? Seize
0: me however you want, big boy.
1: All right, we'll just keep it in the same pattern.
0: The album's Tell All Your Friends. I already know who that one is, too, because I thought of this and I know where you're going with this and I thought of this one, but go ahead. The band is Taking Back Sunday.
1: The song is You Know How I Do, and the lyrics go like this So sick, so sick of being tired. And oh, so tired of being sick. We're both magnificent liars. So crush me, baby. I'm all ears.
0: I had that one on my list, and I took it off because I found some stuff that I think is better. But that was a good call. I thought we we think alike. I think
1: this song goes perfectly with the mood of the album and how it progresses to the end. So that is why I picked this because it is like a attention grabber for the listener. So if you're reading a book, there's a foreword, and sometimes it's not written by the author. But in this case, this is music, so it's the first line. And it's got me hooked, because even though he's saying sick like four times, it's still speaking to you because it's showing emotion. Hence the word what some people would call this album, emo. I will say it's not emo, but that's another discussion.
0: I might, Number I might agree three, with you. it's it's not emo. It's not. No.
1: No. No, it's not emo. Number three, the album is. This is a stick up. Don't make it a murder.
0: I should know this, but I don't. I don't know who I'm this hearing band. Hearing crickets. Yeah, I don't know this one actually. I should know this one. I recognize the album name, but I don't. I can't get a band.
1: The band's name is Hit the Lights. Oh, of course. it is. And the song is called The Call Out. In a parenthesis, you are the dishes. And this is not necessarily an opening statement. This is pretty much the intro because it is a voicemail in the beginning. And if you ask me, for someone who's listened to this album probably 500 times, it is the perfect way to grab the listener by having a voicemail played at the beginning. And remember, this is 2006, so it's not the symphony orchestra because at one point you purchased the (laughs) ringback tone and it expired, so it's going to the symphony. No, this is just a regular voicemail before all of that. When people were having Motorola risers and flip phones, this is the day and age we're speaking about, 2006. And the voicemail goes like this you have one message and the singer his name's colin i don't remember his last name because now their singer is nick thompson anyways he sings the message which is so cool he goes tell me again how we're easily forgettable so formulatic too simple to be at all original yeah so we've heard it's time to keep your mouth shut while we show you how to rock and roll so it's setting the tone for the album again. That's
0: a good one. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a good one.
1: Number two, the album is For Those Who Have Heart.
0: Ah, <laughs> I have a different album on my list, but same
1: band. And the band is A Day to Remember. And literally, if you have this CD, you put it in a CD player. I know that sounds really foreign,
0: but it's the first thing you hear. I only work at well, I only have eight tracks, that's <laughs> it. That's all I have, and dat
1: These are the first words you hear Jeremy McKinnon saying, and it's actually going right on with instrumental from the get-go. We welcome you to the second chapter. Thanks for turning the other page. Wow, I like that. That's a good one. That song's called Fast Forward to 2012. Yep. Finally, number one. Oh, here we go. What you got? What you got? The album is Take This to Your Grave. Oh, really? Oh, is it? The band is Fall Out Boy. Yes, it is. And the first lines of this record, light that smoke, the one for giving up on me. And that song is Tell Mick He Just Made My List
0: of Things to Do Today. That's great. It's a good one. All right, I guess. So I need to give you one now, huh? Yeah, five. I need five. You need five? God. Five, five to one, just like you made me do it. Five to one. I can do that. All right. Um. So number five, I'm going to put um, – I, I don't think you've ever heard of this band, but it's, it's a band called Blink-182. I'm okay. going with Take Off Your Pants and Jackets is the album. Do you know what the first song is? see if you can get it anthem part two very good wow got that one everything has fallen to pieces and earth is dying help me jesus that is absolutely a statement for our time and generation that earth is dying and that it's so it's so it's such a punk thing that the whole there he's sad the earth's dying. He's a wreck. It's such a good... It speaks to so many people. And I feel like it's such... Um, I feel like it's such a good starting line. <laughs> starting line. Definitely. Another band. There you go. Um. So, that was my first... This is just number five. So, let's go to number four. So, number four. I'll give you the... I'm going to give you the the line and let's see if you can guess the album the band and the song Ryan so it's moved all my shit into my parents basement and out of my own apartment I think you can get this
1: The Wonder Years Yep came out swinging What's the album I've given up on suburbia
0: Yeah suburbia I've given up on you and now I'm nothing I've given you all and now I'm nothing yes. but yes um that's a whole sentence That is a whole sentence With- it's like a Fallout Boy Indian album Dream. name. It's like a Fallout Boy album title. They're always so damn long. Same with same with Panic at the Discos albums were always such long title names. Um the first one especially, yeah. Oh my god. So I like this line. I think it also speaks to a lot of people. It's a big and that's a big song for them. Right off the bat, you're getting hit with that on that album. That's huge. Number three. I don't know if you would know this one. I, I went complete emo on this. Now, come okay. one, come all to this tragic affair. I don't think you'll get it. Mm. It's a tough one.
1: It's a band that liked to dress in a lot of black clothes back oh, in the yeah. Day.
0: Oh, yeah. So, they're still a band? It's still a band. It is. Is it Alisana? No. It's a good guess, though. It's My Chemical Romance. The song's called. Oh, that's easy. That's
1: embarrassing. I don't
0: know that. <laughs> it's all right. The song title is the end. Not many people know this song that well, but it is the first. Oh, song Welcome to Black Parade. That's on yeah, the Black Parade. Geez. Yep. And that really sets. I like that line because it really sets a tone for what that album is. That the whole album is just about tragic affairs and all kinds of different things related to it. So that is my number three. Number two, see, this is where we were similar. I have a day to remember on here as well, but I went with "homesick," because I feel like while it's not really an opening line, that chant and Jeremy McKinnon screaming "Let's go" at the beginning of "Downfall of Us All" is something everybody knows and remembers and goes nuts for. So I feel like that is a. Mu- I I agree with your opening line, but I feel like this one's stronger. That's why you made number two. I funny. like that because. I remember in high school and middle school
1: being in the, like the cafeteria and you know how each table has like its own label, jocks, preps and nerds, outcasts, whatever. If someone was to go right in the middle of the cafeteria and go, duh, 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 and then everybody'd scream, Let's go.
0: Right. Exactly. It was just like a universal thing. Oh, I still feel like it is. I mean, you go you go anywhere and that comes on, even if it's not like, so when you're at a show, most of the time, like the backtrack, um, like the walk in music they're playing has nothing to do with the show sometimes. And I was working a show at the arena, at a, the arena I was working at. And uh, that came on during a country show and the entire arena erupted singing the beginning of it before the show even really? started. Yeah. At a country show. Like, come on.
1: What show was that?
0: Uh, Brantley Gilbert. <clears throat>
1: Really? That's awesome, Mm -hmm. man. I
0: love Um, Brantley Gilbert. I don't know if that was supposed to be on there, but I remember it coming on there and people singing and it was great. Um, So number Was that their intro to the stage
1: or was that like music, like house music before?
0: This was years ago. I don't remember. I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. It's a struggle living with ADD everybody. And not taking your medication for it. You can't even remember. When's the last time I showered? I don't remember when the last time I showered. That's a lie. I showered this morning. Don't say that. Don't say that. Showered this morning. Um, Number one, and I'm really going to throw you for a loop. I thought long and hard what I thought is the best opening line for an album. And I went non-pop punk since we're trying to go everywhere with this podcast. I went, good cuz there's more music out there than just pop punk. Absolutely. And this is the and I I thought and I looked and delved into a lot of my albums. But out of every album I looked at, this I think is the strongest opening line for any artist ever. So there's a little little rap group called NWA. And their first album was called Straight Outta Compton and the title track yeah. was song number 1. When that starts And it's just, it's just spoken. It says, you are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. I feel like that is the most powerful line in an album, especially that group, because that line alone defines what NWA was altogether, completely a hundred percent. That is that line is what that group was. I agree. And if you've seen the movie, that's a perfect example. If to
1: sum up one sentence, it correlates with that movie too.
0: Yeah. So I, I went out and I, I, I felt like at any album I could think of or that I listened to or looked up, I found a lot. I found like some people like, like Bruce Springsteen and some albums like that, but that sentence alone has never been more powerful for the time period that that album came out, let alone defined what an act was. I've never seen a line that in one shot and I feel like that is that is it that that's just that's my number one I'm sorry it's so good
1: and it was natural for Ice Cube and all those guys because it wasn't intentional it was they knew what the message they wanted to put through the album and they knew exactly that we had to grab the listener and let them know what's coming to them but it wasn't like a marketing thing where it's like, okay, well, we're, we're going to put this out there so we can scare everybody or because it, it wasn't, it wasn't their intent. It was completely natural. And I, I think that that that's a great number one pick.
0: So that's our top five. If you have your own top five, wherever you're at, send this to us, tell us what you think. We'll look at it. Maybe we'll even talk about it. Um, So now let's talk about another thing we want to do every week. So the other thing we want to do every week is what we talked about. Since Ryan and I came from Steam Bands, we think it would be good to talk about an underrated band, whether it's somebody current or somebody that you've never heard of. Um, So I'm going to let Ryan talk to me about what he thinks this week is his underrated band for the week.
1: My underrated band for the week is a band called Last Night Saved My Life. Their debut called Cherry. It's a full-length record. You can pick it up on Apple Music and Spotify and other streaming sites. It's produced by Derek from State Champs. And what separates this band, because they are a pop-punk band, and I would call them a pop-punk band, they are not your traditional sound like we think of pop-punk, like Knuckle Puck, a Real Friends, or some of these new people are crazing about bands called like Belmont or Grayscale. They're not really fitting that mold. They're fitting more of that 2008 fearless records roster pop punk. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that it's bands like the Somerset, the downtown fiction, early Artist versus poet, sing it loud. If you remember that band, mm, yeah. these guys yeah. are terrific. They're awesome at writing hooks. One of the songs on the record, I think it's called Waterfall. It features Derek from State Champs. But the song I want you all to listen to is called On the Ropes. And I think that will give you an idea of what the album is going to provide and bring you back to, for me, that nostalgia when I was probably like 12 years old listening to the Downtown Fiction, I Just Want to Run, or The Summer Set, listening to Punch Drunk Love, those songs, that I loved and I would sing along to that's what this album is absolutely full of songs that are completely reminiscent of the 2008 fearless era.
0: Back when nobody was getting in trouble for doing things they shouldn't. Right. Thanks, (laughs) Jesse. You broke my heart. All right. Uh, my underrated band, um, it's kind of two, um, one doesn't really exist anymore. Um, my underrated band was a band called survey says, um, I say was. They're still kind of a thing. Um, some of the guys that were in survey says left that and started a band called Keep Flying. Um, so, it's their ska band, of course. It's like a ska punk band. I feel like there's a lot of ska bands out there these days that don't get the attention they deserve because ska never got all the attention it deserves. You know, bands like Beeps and Their Moneymaker, Goldfinger, Less Than Jake. Like, those are some... Good bands, real big fish. I just saw a real big fish. Fantastic. But I feel like Ska never got its full life in mainstream. And I still feel like it deserves a full life in mainstream. So I went with Survey Says. They were from New Jersey. Um, Great, great, great band. They had such good music. They started getting on some cool tours opening for bands. But it started to take off really in scenes that they were playing a lot. But I feel like it never took off to what it should have because that was a that was such a good band. The guys in that band were nice, and they knew what they were doing. And So go check out Survey Says or Keep Flying. The new thing he's, they're doing is Keep Flying. That's pretty cool. I like it. It's also ska. All right. So that's our underrated bands for the week. So now let's get into the discussion of this podcast. So this episode, we are talking about sophomore albums. Now, this is either going to be... Um, it can be anything sophomore album related. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about, um, I'm going to, Ryan and I are going to take turns each week leading episodes. So I'm, I'm leading this one. Um, he's leading our next episode. Um, so I'm going to talk about albums that I thought put a band on a map. Cause that's kind of where I went with it. You know, there's a lot of bands who they put out a first album and it's really, really good. And it gets, it gets the point across like, you know, for example, Dookie, you know, Dookie was the first studio release by Green Day, and that put them on the map immediately. But what are some bands that everybody knows and thinks of that that first album might have started something, but that second album knocked it out of the park? That's kind of where I'm going with this, Ryan. I'm not sure where you want to go with this. I'm sure you'll have input on this.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. you want to take the lead, yeah. I'll assist as needed.
0: You're you've, damn right you will, Coach. All right. So I think just I I have thirteen albums here we can talk about. I have so many. Where, Sweet. where where do you want to start? Do you want to start in the punk world? Do you want to start in pop world? Do you want to start in rap or something heavier? What? Pick your poison. Dealer's choice. Let's give them the pop,
1: the most popular. Let's get that out of the way.
0: Gonna hit them with pop. Top forty. All right, top forty. Here's the first one. You're going to love this one. So my first first one that I want to talk about is by an artist named Katy Perry. Her second album was called One for the Boys. Now, most people don't realize this was her second album. So Katy Perry did a more Christian-based album in 2001, and nobody knew who Katy Perry was. And then it was her first time in a working on a secular album. It was her first release since two thousand one. In two thousand and eight, she puts out one for the boys, and that thing put her on the map. I mean, nobody can argue that Katy Perry. Nobody knew who Katy Perry was before that album. Nobody can tell me they knew who Katy Perry was, and if you did, you lived near her. I'm sorry, you were probably her neighbor. Are you Matt Teason? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> she puts, she puts out one for her. the puts out one for the boys. <laughs> hit billboard hard I mean she hit that thing hard it was like a truck coming in when that album came out man
1: yeah well I'm gonna be completely transparent from the get-go and I know in the future we talked about having a episode about debut albums and uh, one of the boys was on that. so I, I, uh. I knew about her Christian music endeavor but I I totally erase that, but for now I'm going to have to go back and find another slot for that top five debut albums. (laughs) But yeah, great, great, phenomenal album. It combines elements from No Doubt, probably No Doubt, specifically Tragic Kingdom. And I would say that it combines elements from Paramore's Riot, And combined pop music and using those times of 2008 where it was a great era of music, and I'll talk about this with Billboard Top 100 in the next episode, but she was the right fit at the right time, had the right image, and she totally wrote a song that was controversial at the time, and it got people's ears locked whether they liked it or not, they knew the song.
0: She played Warp Tour with that album too. She did a year at Warp Tour with that album. She played Warp Tour one year, and it was that album. Because after that, her, the guitar, the guitar started to disappear from her albums pretty quickly. That, yeah. Thanks, pop world, dicks.
1: I mean, I'm glad she got one album in like that.
0: Yeah. So that was my first good one. good album. So that that that's the. Yeah. I mean, some of these other acts are pop, but I mean. That's the real pop one. I mean, if you want to keep talking pop, I I have I think this is this isn't the biggest album I think for this artist. But Eminem put out a second album, it was called The Slim Shady LP, and that had that was a big album release for him. That was the first album he put out on a major label, and I feel like that really put him on the map as far as if we're staying in the pop realm here of stuff that's on the radio. I mean, that had my name is on it. That that song's huge for him. Yeah.
1: I remember listening to the real Slim Shady. Is that one on there? I,
0: I honestly. No, I don't think not it's not able to recall. I don't think that's on there. I think that's on his third album. I'll pull it up and check, but I'm, I'm, I'm positive. It's third out. Okay. This one, like, like I said, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a huge album for him, but it was his first major release. Um, I, Cause that guy, I'm going to cheat. Cause I, I don't know what songs are on that. Go ahead. Cheat. You cheat. Go ahead. I can dive into something that you might know more. That was spitballing. That was the Marshall Mathers or the Slim Shady? The Slim Shady LP. Marshall Mathers is the one I think is one of his biggest albums. Okay.
1: Yeah. So my name is Guilty Conscience.
0: Yeah. He has some good ones on there. I think it's a good sophomore album. I mean, if we're talking sophomore albums, I feel like that needs to be included in this discussion. Um but yeah,
1: no, cool. that uh, awesome addition. I, I I don't know much about it though. That's I think right. you listen to Sorry the album straight through. How
0: about I get into something you might know more about? So let's talk. The, there's a couple on here that are big. So you brought up Paramore. Riot was their second album. Came out in 2007. Was a top 100 album for Paramore. Had Misery Business. That's what you get. I feel like their first album was All We Know is Falling. And I feel like there's some good songs on there, but I feel like Riot put them on the map. I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, all when it was falling was that released by fueled by ramen. I think.
0: I think all their albums have that. Yeah.
1: Okay, so Riot was too. Honestly, can't couldn't tell you why Riot was so big. Obviously, their sound got more matured, and each album for Paramore, in my opinion, is matured uh, gradually as each album. Is made, but yeah, that last one was too much for
0: me. Sorry, too much for charity.
1: It's it's a happy album, isn't
0: it? <laughs> right. I don't know. I feel like it's just... every ever since Avril levine people were looking for like yeah. the bad girl in the music world, and I feel like she this album gave them that because Haley Williams is this happy, nice girl, but she's this badass. This this album right. was badass.
1: Yeah, it's it's a loud, a lot of more set record, right? Like, oh, like yeah. it, it's it's not Riot Girl. Like you can look up like what Riot Girl was back in the day, but it's not that type of album. But it's got the same type of attitude.
0: Right. No, I agree. 100%. While it's
1: it's not political, it's pretty much about high school drama and BS that people have to face in in high school like you listen to misery business you know that golden line from misery business they won't even play misery it, you know, it,
0: they won't even play that they don't play that song live anymore i don't know if you knew that they haven't played that song live in years i didn't know that no she, or, they, do they haley, or do they not like the,
1: the w h word
0: uh haley feels like that song came from a place of anger in her life cuz it was actually wrote about the lead guitar player's girlfriend at the time when they were kids. She wrote that song when she was 17. I mean, she had a crush on the guitar player and everybody, wow. everybody could have figured that out. Josh was awesome. um, But she wrote that song about his girlfriend at the time and she feels like it came from a place of anger and that the world has changed and that it has no place in the current times. And I hate to inform her. I disagree. I mean, sure, there's a lot of people who don't like the word, but it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to, you're going to offend somebody eventually. It just happens. It just depends on how you offend them. But it's, it's a song. People got to understand that's when that song was wrote, that was perfectly acceptable. And that was, that's what I think made her so badass. is people like, she just said, what? Like, get out there and scream that. And just remember where you came from with that. I mean, yeah, it was a place of anger and I get why you wouldn't want to sing it anymore, but I play that song, and people go nuts for that song and love that song. Like, don't give up on it just because of it. You know, just skip the word. I don't care. Radio, radio edit right. yourself. Radio edit. She says it so fast too. Oh yeah, like he he
1: doesn't scream it. She's not in this moment. <laughs> Seriously,
0: so, but, so um, so sticking in the realm of that kind of thing and badasses. Um, how about My Chemical Romance? Their second album was Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. It was their first yeah. major label release. They sold 3 million copies of that album. I, I looked it up. They have sold over 3 million copies of that album. Um, wow. Was not their first album, but as far as My Chemical Romance is concerned, I feel like that album was bigger for them. I'm not sure what your opinion is, but I think that was that album really set the tone for them going into Black Parade. And... Obviously, Black Parade's the album. Everybody knows from them. But I feel like this this album has Helena and I'm Not Okay on it. I mean, those were huge songs, man.
1: Right. And it makes you wonder, like, bands like Hawthorne Heights and Census Fail, those bands back in the day, why can chem- my Chemical Romance got such the exposure that they did? And actually, if you're familiar with the YouTube channel, Punk Rock NBA, he broke this down last year in a video. It's really interesting. And I agree with a lot of his points, but there were those bands that had that emo mall scene vibe to them, like early
0: Hot Topic days. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, but My Chemical Romance, you're absolutely they completely owned it, right? And you're absolutely right. I mean, like Hawthorne Heights, if only you were lonely. That's a that's a big album. I mean that has saying sorry on it. And like they just did a, they just did an anniversary tour for that album. That's, that's a big album for them. Same with census fail. Census fail. Second album was let it unfold you, which I have on this list. Cause I think that album put them on the map more. And some people would argue with me that that's their first album, but that's not their first album. Their first album is from depths of dreams, which people consider an EP, but it's been re-released. And I still argue that that's, that, that's their first album, but you think you look at bands like that and like those bands are pretty big, but what like you sit back and go, was it the marketing? Was it the label they were working with? Is it the outfits? Like what took my chemical romance and took their songs and made them arena level act compared to census fail. Who's my favorite census fails. My favorite band to see. And one of my favorites in general I, I they just they have such good energy live after almost 20 years of being a band but what what made them so different like you got to wonder what who was sitting in a studio and heard that album and said this is better than these
1: yeah now when i now what i said i'm reflecting on what i said and i understand it a little bit more listen to i'm not okay versus buried to Lie. So if we're looking at My Comical Romance versus census Fail, I think the average listener who was to turn on their local alternative station, they'd rather hear I'm not okay rather than Buried a Lie.
0: But you got to admit the lyric work in Buried a Lie is fantastic because he tells a story through that song. That's a fantastically written song. Sure, but listen to the hook. Oh, absolutely! Those hook, hooks are good. The hook in my chems is much more catchy. I would agree with you. So maybe maybe just their hooks were a little catchier. Maybe is that where you're going? That's with my this? opinion. That's your opinion. All my right. opinion. Well, our our lovely audience can chime in and tell us we're both wrong, and that my chemical romance is the best. Or they might go with me and say Census Fail is the best band ever. I'd be okay with that. I would not be upset. Um, in
1: my opinion, Census Delan never wrote a bad album. Oh in my, my opinion, God
0: no. Oh, dude, if you're 40 and you can move like that on stage, I mean, I watched a show one time. He was baseball sliding back and forth on stage and got right back up and sang and didn't lose his breath. Like that's amazing stage performance. Come on, he throws his microphone up in the air, right? And he like does oh, a he lot does of that all and... the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like freaking Adam from Taking Back Sunday. Have you ever seen Taking Back Sunday? No, that's one band I haven't seen. Oh my nope. God. He throws the mic, he twists it around him and then like does his hip twist and he th- the mic comes back off of him and he catches it. He's nuts. I mean, he's going to kill somebody with that thing. So sticking in the pop punk world and talking about that, uh, one band that I have mixed feelings on, but Newfound Glory, their first album, their second album was self-titled Newfound Glory. It just came out in 2000. I hit hit or miss on it. It was a huge album. It was a great album. I feel like that definitely put that album put them on the map. Not as much as like their next album that had My Friends Over You on it, but that album was a big album for them. That put them on the map for sure. Yeah, that self-titled
1: Define Glory album just reminds me of an album that you would listen to in your bedroom on a stereo.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that next album would have been Sticks and Stones, but Sticks and Stones I feel like is an album that made that band and that has made them weigh a lot of money, but I feel like that first al- that second album that that self titled album in two thousand I think that's what put them on the map, and I think that album really set the tone for pop punk world going into the early two thousands because that they're they're a huge influence
1: to everybody, right? What what's understatement was on there? No, understatement was on um, sticks, sticks and stones, stones. yeah. Um, better off dead. Yep. That was on there. Hit or miss.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's some other songs on there, but
0: those are the big ones. You you got them.
1: It reminds me of like
0: posters.
1: Well, yeah, it it says it in hit or miss, right? Like I don't, I just think of you go into your bedroom and there's Mm -hmm. just posters of all these bands and you have this album playing your stereo and like, that's the golden age for all
0: that. Oh, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Um, the Wonder Years, their second album. I'm sure you know what their second album is. The Upsides. Yeah, that that's the album that defined that band. It's
1: that, the best album, in my opinion.
0: Uh, oh yeah, everybody wants to hear that album. Their new stuff's cool and all, but I, I feel like I feel like as they've gotten older, they've mellowed out of it personally. At least like their writing sound and style. I feel like it's mellowed out.
1: Yeah, you go from writing songs about Captain Crunch to writing songs about places <laughs> like, like Logan Circle, like.
0: <laughs> but not even like just that early into their albums. Like I mean, I'm talking like the album they just put out. Like.
1: Oh yeah. I feel like. Yeah, it's they, it's good. Like, it's matured.
0: It's mature. It's, it's mature
1: rock. It's not pop punk.
0: Like it's, it's, it's matured, but I don't want it. <laughs>
1: I don't want it.
0: Like. See, I want it. I, I want that, but
1: I want those albums like what did Upside's came out 2010 2009 right. whatever like I don't want that album to disappear off Spotify like I want to know the band that the Wonder Years is now but I want to know what they used to sound like too and when it was darn good then too
0: Oh yeah I know I agree I mean that's the thing like I want a band to get a little more mature like I want them to mature like A Dookie versus um 21st Century Breakdown For example, like, I feel like that's a fine line of maturity, but like when you have bands like Paramore who were so badass and they went complete synth pop, like, I just, I don't want it. It's too mature for me. It's not what you are. It's same with the Wonder Years. Like they've gone from being the high flying, like punk kings of the pop punk world from 2008 on to now they've like. They've mellowed out so much that you could put them on an easy listening station for adults. I mean, not that we're all not adults <laughs> but, at this point, but you like the like coffee. It's a coffee shop. Soundtrack now is what it is. All time. Low put up or shut up. I, I heard, I heard
1: that <laughs> reference.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I had census fail on here. Let it unfold you. Cause I love that album. It's a good album. Um, if we're still talking punk world, the biggest one we're missing here, though we haven't talked about that, I was waiting on, is can you can you guess one second album that we haven't talked about? Huge huge punk album. From Under the court Tree. There it is. Didn't even need to tell him. Fallout Boy, first major chart hits. Trigger Rain going down. Dance dance. This ain't a scene. Was that like that no was, no? Was that second? This was that ain't a scene. Is that the next album? This ain't a scene's
1: on Infinity and High.
0: Is it really? I yeah. didn't think it was that new. No. Look at that! I don't even know where the song from our podcast name comes from. Jesus, look at me! I'm awful. I need it. fired. He's fired. We haven't even started yet, and he's fired. <clears throat> um, I know what was on there that I was thinking of. Um, a little less sixteen candles. That was that song was on that album. Yeah, that album, man. Everybody knows. Sure, we're going down. Like that, that album, out of every band on this, that's the album that out of every band here, I think the Paramore album and this fallout boy album are really what made these bands because this, this album made this band and it still makes this band. This is what they sell themselves on. I know every, there's a lot of like the younger generation who likes their, their pop stuff. But again, that's, that's too much maturity for me. I don't want it. Like, I understand you're trying the to most, appeal to a new fan base, but
1: damn it. <laughs> right. The most intriguing part about all this, Drew, is these guys completely come from the scene, and they come from hardcore bands and punk bands. And here they are now, they're Billboard charting artists. And what are they doing with their fame? They're still, they're still jamming their favorite bands. They're still, like, hanging out with Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die, who's a young Keith Buckley at this time. And it, To me, it's so cool. And now you have two members of Fall Out Boy who's in the damn things with Keith Buckley and Scott Ian from Anthrax. I mean, that's so cool to me. Those guys definitely never let the fame get to themselves. Even though Pete Wentz is on J14's cover, still, they totally knew where they came from. Pete Wentz, for a long time, did a Serious Hits 1 show where he'd play bands at that time that were Warped Tour bands like Four Year Strong and Arbor. And he would expose these people and listeners where they were listening to their normal Timbaland and Flo Rada. But he decided, you know what? I'm not going to go and go after the new Maroon 5 single. I'm going to go talk about a band that I think is really good.
0: No, and I agree. And... I think my favorite part about fallout boy is like when you have those people who know fallout boy songs, but they don't know anything about fallout boy. And you ask them who's the lead singer. Oh, it's the, it's the cute guy. It's that, it's a Pete Wentz guy. It's uh, not wrong. <clears throat> nope. Uh, it's like when people come up to me and like, can you, can you play teenage wasteland? It's like, if you tell me the actual name of the song, I'll play teenage wasteland for you.
1: What even is that?
0: It's Bob O'Reilly with the who? People call it teenage weightless land. Yeah, because that's the hook in the song. <clears throat> but they don't know the actual song. i never song heard of that. Yeah, that's
1: pathetic. I I never heard it called that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um. All right, so breaking off a little bit, let's get into some stuff that I want to talk about for sure. In second albums, the biggest, biggest ones I want to talk about are Slipknot and Linkin Park. So Slipknot second album, Iowa, follow up to their self-titled album, which. I feel like there's out of all these bands, Slipknot had the best first album. Um, that first yeah. self-titled album was really good, but I feel like Iowa was, Iowa was the one that took Slipknot from playing large clubs to playing outdoor arenas. I feel like that, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: I like Stone Sour more than Slipknot.
0: Really? Slipknot's cool because, oh yeah.
1: Oh, this is I a think good Corey discussion. Taylor is a phenomenal vocalist and he does not even get a chance to show off his vocal range with Slipknot. That, that's fair. I get you could say a vocal range is going from yelling and screaming to him somewhat singing a, a chorus,
0: but Stone Sour, dude,
1: oh man, some really good cuts.
0: I'll agree with you. He gets more chance to show off his vocal range. And Stone Sour, but when you sit back and look, you've got this guy who can sing really well, and then he can go over here to Slipknot, and he can scream for two hours and not blow out a vocal cord. That is a good, that's a good front man in general, in my opinion. He's one of my influences. I mean, him and Dave Grohl are the two people I strive to be most like. I want to be the Corey Taylor that tells you to go fuck yourself, but at the same time, I want to be the Dave Grohl that's like, hey, what can I do for you?
1: Right. Right. Even if I break my leg, I still want to know what I can do for you.
0: Right. But I mean, dude, people equal shit, disaster pieces, the heretic anthem left behind on that first Iowa album or that Iowa album. It was yeah. so good. It was so good. Um, yeah, Joey Jordison's
1: drumming on that is insane, too. Oh,
0: my God. All of them. All of them. Rest in peace, Paul Gray. Um, yeah, rest in peace. For sure. So, Linkin Park, they put out. Reanimated, it does okay. And then, oh, I hated that. Uh, It renamed crap. You don't like it? No, no,
1: absolutely not.
0: Well, then I know you like. I know you love the second album that came out after that. Do you know it? Do you know what it is?
1: Yeah, I I, I just don't know how to say it. It's it's Meteorora. I I don't know how to pronounce it. What is it? Hybrid Theory. Oh, Hybrid Theory is one of the best albums of all time, any genre.
0: Hybrid Theory, 2000. Me 2003? Hybrid Theory. I I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. I'm feeding you the knowledge of the ginger. I totally thought
1: Reanimated was
0: the thing he did with uh,
1: Jay-Z. I thought that's what you were talking about.
0: No, it's... um, They did a collab album with him. Like... (laughs) Right after Meteora came out, they did a collab album with Jay Z. It was really cool. I like a couple of songs on it, honestly. But *Hybrid Theory*, man—I didn't like that.
1: You that's didn't what I was like That's what I was thinking of. I thought *Reanimated* with, was with Jay Z. That's what I was thinking. My
0: no, bad. that's a, that was their original album. But *Hybrid Theory*, man, dude, that thing—I still listen to that album. That's one of the like my favorite albums. Are the ones I can listen to front to back, and they don't have filler songs on them. And that is one that I feel never had a filler song on it. Paper cut. One step closer. Crawling. In in the end. Push me away. A place for my head, dude. That was. Such... Place for my head's
1: the best song on that album. You think so? I love that song. Place for my head. Oh, that guitar good. intro. Oh, yeah. dude, it's. Oh, that hook.
0: Oh yeah. Amazing. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I think. Or
1: the, forgotten from the top to the bottom. Yeah,
0: bottom yeah. to the top.
1: The corner with the forgotten. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. I, I honestly I think out of all the albums we have on here, I think hybrid theory is my favorite so far that we've talked about for too. I mean, um
1: Totally thought it was a So let's album.
0: let's go off That's topic okay. a little bit. So how about a band like Breaking Benjamin? How about their second album? I don't know how much you listen to Breaking Benjamin. I listen to a lot of Breaking Benjamin. I like Breaking Benjamin. The I, one
1: of So Cold on it.
0: hmm. We're not alone. And Firefly. Here. Yep.
1: Yeah, I didn't like that album. You I, did not like later, that yeah. album. I, How do
0: you not no, like that album? I, I, I thought it wasn't good. No? Why? Give me your reason. Well,
1: uh, if you listen to Saturate, it's a fine balance of early 2000s hard rock, right, like Godsmack. Mm-hmm. But it has some songs on that record that to me sound like pop punk songs. And they had a really good balance of that. And while there's a song on like Skin, Skin was a good one that pushing towards punk. I think that's my that might have been it. But there's like two cuts on that. That's like, oh man, that's that sounds like a pop punk song. But then, what's it called? Weird out
0: alone? Is that the second album? That's the second album that I'm talking about. Yep.
1: Yeah. There's like one song on there that is. Punk ornated, but the rest of the album's bland. I think So Cold is a bland radio rock single. I never did anything for me. Sooner or later. Uh, Firefly was the best song on there.
0: Firefly but was the rest not of the of album. Games.
1: Maybe that's maybe that's why I liked it so much, because it's the repetition when you're playing a game. And it's that consciousness of you not really recognizing the song, but it's playing. So maybe that's a le- why I liked it. But Phobia, right? There's Their third album? My gosh, that album's awesome.
0: That album is awesome.
1: I like... We're Not Alone record? Nah, I could do without that. They you haven't,
0: know? in my opinion, they haven't put out an album I haven't liked. I'm different from you. But see, I... My favorite song is on this album, It Sooner or Later. And Simple Design is a good song, too, that I think very, very underrated. Um, but... As far as discussion of an album that put a band on a map, I feel like this put them on the map as their first major album release. Now, granted, Phobia had Diary of Jane, which was obviously the song everybody knows them for. And that took them... Breast. Right. I think that was the album that took them from, like, being a large club band to being the outdoor arena band that we know. But I feel like We're Not Alone Here is a good, solid second album that needs talked about, because I feel like it had... More people know that album than they do Saturate. Is it sat? Is it Saturate or is it Saturate? I don't know. I have, saturate. An, aw- I have an awful Central Pennsylvania accent. I don't know.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> and, and that's probably how you say it. I'm just saying, like, if it's spelled S A T U R A T E.
0: R A T E, yeah, that one. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a good album.
0: I mean, I'm not. Toby is mm. a good album too. Dear Agony is a good album. I'm telling you, every album they put out, it, I've, I I listened to their last two albums they just put out, Ember and uh, Dark uh, Dark and Dawn or whatever that new one is. There's a couple
1: good cuts, and it's mainly the singles. I've listened to them all, all the way through. I
0: just can't grab my
1: ear. Maybe it was just like that phobia, those days is when 1X came out by Three Days Grace. All that those was bands. on my
0: list here to talk about, so we'll talk about that. Go ahead.
1: Talk about 1X. 1X is a decent album. I like their first album better, but that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's all you've got? You have no other comment on this? I mean, 1X is an interesting album.
0: It has Riot on it.
1: There's not, too much, there's not too much that sounds like it, but the best songs on the album, in my opinion, are, are the radio singles. Riot, Never Too Late, Animal I Become, and Pain.
0: But as far as a band, that an album that put a band on the map. I feel like that one put them on the map more than that first album. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So that's why it's on here. Cause. Um, I wish home
1: would have been on one X and I w- would have been a really good album. Oh, Home's their man. best song I've ever written.
0: Uh, I, I think a lot of people would disagree with you and say, I hate everything about you, but that's. I just, that's what I think. (laughs) It's a
1: generic song. Oh, listen to the chorus. It's like boom, boom, verse, boom, boom, vocals, boom, boom, vocals, boom, boom, vocals. Every hard rock band has a song like that. And Three Uh, Days Grace just got lucky. And that was a radio single for them.
0: If you don't agree with Ryan, please still give us four or five star review. I, uh, I don't agree with his opinion, but that's okay. Uh, This podcast does not (laughs) endorse any opinions of Ryan Sharp. (laughs) Go to his Facebook. And Seriously, fiction, it's man. like
1: boom, boom, vocal, <laughs> boom, boom, vocal. Man, that's boring. That's stuff that I write. That's boring. Oh, man.
0: Wow. Shots fired at himself now. Lord. All right. Uh, last album I wrote down to talk about was actually one that you brought up in your top five. For those who have art day to remember, I feel like that's an album to put them on the map.
1: Yeah. Here's to the past is the best song on that album. And it. Here's to the past, if it wasn't for that song being on that album, Homesick wouldn't sound like it did because the album did decent. And here's to the past was definitely the most pop punky song on that record, which led to pop punky songs or portions of songs that were displayed on Homesick. So it was almost like a trial run. Like, can we do this? We're really inspired by like all these Florida metalcore bands, but can we do this? And it worked.
0: Yeah, but for me I didn't even need them to be that punky. Like I like I like the heaviness of like, you know, fast forward to twenty twelve, The Danger and Starting a Fire, Plot to Bomb the Panhandle, you know. A shot in the dark. Like those are big, big songs for that band. Yeah. I agree. So I feel like that was an album that put them on the map. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on any albums that I did not talk about for sophomore albums?
1: Oh yeah, all killer no filler.
0: Some forty one. Some forty one. That's a good one. See, and this is why we're doing this because I wasn't going to be able to think of all of them. It's a great album.
1: Yeah, it. I think we talked about it in the first episode. Or know it, it was the beginning of this episode. No reason.
0: All killer oh, no filler. No, Chuck is that's Chuck. You're thinking Chuck. Yeah. Oh, I, I know
1: that. I know that. I'm making a point though.
0: Okay, what's your point? Get to get. All right. I, I, did it I know it's hard get to, to get to the point
1: sometimes. <laughs> yeah. that, that's off of, um, what song is that? Is that Here's to the Past?
0: No, that's fast forward to 21 or 2012. It's the first song on that album that we just talked about.
1: Anyway, some okay. 41, some anyway, 41. some <laughs> 41. So you listen to Chuck, you're right?
0: Yeah, I listen it's to Chuck. It's
1: inspired by them being stuck in a place where they thought they were going to die. I don't know the whole story, but you could read up on it. Heavy record, where they came from, all killer, no filler. It's a crossover. It's mainly pop punk, but there's thrash metal in it. You listen to that last song on all killer, no filler, and there's thrash metal element to it. It's awesome. Some 41 you listen to, to the Fat album. Lip. Fat the- Lip. Dude, those lyrics are so weird. But that song was huge. Huge for the frat boys.
0: Huge for the preps. Into Deeps on everybody. In into Deeps on that album too and crazy Amanda Bunkface. Like that's that's yeah, probably Sum 41's good. biggest album. If you had to ask somebody at Billboard, that's their biggest album. Handle This is the best song off that album though. Yeah, you think? I have that album. I have listened to it a while. In my opinion. I
1: mm. like the guitar riff. It's not super catchy enough, but it's just enough to be my fan favorite. Another album. And I just thought of it. Let me think of what it was again. I hate that. It was another big band.
0: Well, if we're talking second albums, one I didn't put on here, I just thought of was The Anatomy of the Tongue and Cheek. I'm not sure how I missed that Reliant K album. I love that Reliant K album. Yeah, but did it put it? it mm hmm. Put them on the map.
1: Oh, oh mm-hmm, wouldn't put, them, put on them on the map, map?
0: But I feel like this one, I don't know. This had pressing on on nah, it. hmm. Put them on the map. Oh, I feel. I agree. But yeah, I can listen yeah, to Sadie this Hawkins, dance. Yeah, in my khaki pants. Come on, what's the matter with you? I can't listen. I I, I disagree.
1: I can't listen to the the anatomy of tongue-in-cheek front to back. There's just too much silliness going on there.
0: It's what they were. I love reality. It's what they were at the time. They were goofy. They wrote goofy songs. They have a song about the Thundercats (laughs) on that album and a a song about, like, Mr. Ed that they combined with Star Wars. Yeah. Who does that? It's it's genius. Too
1: much time in your hands. Duh. I don't know. They're good musicians. Just that, that album. No. Oh,
0: no. Just no. disappointed. No.
1: I, this, I, I this love last, this. I love this because last, it's fun. It's like, pardon the interruption, but music version of it.
0: It's going to be the last 20 minutes of every episode. It's just going to be Ryan crushing my hopes and dreams.
1: Hopefully that will bring listeners in.
0: <laughs> me going into depression now. Just kidding. <laughs> you gotta listen to this ginger. He absolutely spirals into depression in these episodes.
1: See, I, I don't think everything, anything's been a personal attack on you yet. If it's been anything,
0: it's been well, on it the artist. Been. It has been. It was a personal attack when you started it- this podcast with me. <laughs> 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 All right, what else you got? Second albums.
1: I can't think of what, what I thought else? of. It was a it was a big band, and what else can you do to I hurt my it. feelings, no, dude? What was it? I don't remember what it was.
0: Any other ones that you thought of? That, we were those talking? were the big ones that I thought of. That should be like, if you had to talk about second albums that put, they were huge for bands. Those should definitely be talked about. I'm sure there's more we've missed. I'm sure, once we put this Tons. episode out, we'll get hate mail. Fine,
1: I guess you could say, like, Never Take Friendship Personal by Anne-, Anne Berlin.
0: Yeah, their first
1: album, Blueprints for the Black Market, it was very tooth and nail sounding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And here I am gonna go off on my tooth and nail ledge, but <laughs> you listen to some of those songs,
0: love that record on man.
1: Blueprints for the Black Market, dude. Amberlin never wanted to sound like Thousand Foot Crutch. But Aaron Sprinkle or any other in-house tooth Nail producer totally wanted them to sound like Thousand Foot Crutch because of the success of Phenomenon and Rock Fist. And if you listen to, I don't remember what the song's called, but it's like the third track or something of Blueprints for the Black Market. It sounds like a Thousand Foot Crutch song. And they didn't get to formulate their sound until Never Take Friendship Personal Which is A phenomenal record If you haven't heard Of the band Amberlynn Please check them out And check out that album It's their best album And there's not a bad song on
0: it I never got into Amberlynn I'm gonna crush your dreams now That's I never, cool man I never, I never You should I should But I never did Steven
1: Christian has a voice A voice like Anybody Different than anybody
0: mm-hmm. Brendan Urie is still the best singer of all time.
1: Yeah, but did he have the best instrumentals behind his vocals? No, he didn't, in my opinion. The first album was good. Anything after that, there may have been two good songs on the next album. And then as the time went on, it just got – yes, they matured, and his vocals got to be more showcased, but did really – it, did it really catch my ear. No, it totally didn't. I can't sit down and listen to a Panic at the Disco album that came out two years ago.
0: Really? Oh, so no. I can't do that. No, I mean I can listen to um, that first album. I can listen to that front to back. I I love that album. I love that album. Actually, that all, too. that almost made my top five for opening lines because I feel like the opening line and um, the only difference between martyrdom is uh, that first opening line I think really sets the tone for that very vaudeville esque punk album I'm yeah it a vaudeville that's a great way putting it sit tight right sit tight I'm gonna need you to keep tight gonna need you to keep time come on come on just snap 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 your fingers for me it's very very vaudeville and that album was very vaudeville themed I feel yeah nicely said Thank I you. agree so, all right. Well, I think I I don't have anything else to talk about unless you, you there's anything you want to talk about. Let us
1: know like Drew said what we missed. Let us know about bands that you think sucked when it came to their second album. First album was great, but their debut was their golden moment and then their second album was completely downhill. We are pretty much stuck at a point where we can't think of any bands. If that's the case, I guess with that being said, Drew, it's either their first album was really good and they broke up or their second album for every band in existence has been their best.
0: I, I don't or know. Or the best to that point. I mean, I can think of plenty of second albums that I wouldn't say were good, but I don't, I can't think of any that tanked a band. You know what I mean? I can't think of like, oh, this second album tanked that band. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't have any on top of my head. You know, there's plenty of albums, I think, oh, that didn't do very well at all for them. But I can't think of anything that tanked a band. And I mean, obviously... Like, Boys Like Girls
1: love Drunk record. I mean, there still was, what, two or three songs that were big.
0: Right. Not as good as their first first album. album, Of course.
1: Yeah. Like, that's what comes to my mind. And there's too many instances where that's the case.
0: Well, it's same with... Simple plan, same thing. Same with the starting line. Like, they're... They... (laughs) They never had an album as good as Say It Like You Mean It. And no matter what they did, they were never going to have an album like that.
1: Yeah, it was maybe the commercially their most popular. But, dude, I don't know if you know my my take on the starting line. I love that band. I love all three albums. Their best album is their second album. But
0: that's not a popular opinion. Oh, yeah, I would disagree with you. And you said Simple Plan. Simple Plan still not getting any. That's a good second album. That had walked into my life. Shut he- up. It was a good album. Untitled. Yeah.
1: That's what I mean. Like, in my opinion, it set the bar really high for the crowd that was stoked on no pads, no helmets. But then you go to still not getting any. You see the whole shift of pop music. And it's not, it's getting away from those teen angst roots. Yes, they're growing up in age different topics, songs like Crazy, Me Against the World, things like that. Mm-hmm. But someone like myself where, yes, I wasn't a teenager in 2002 when the album came out, but I was the first thing I heard was Perfect off Kids Bop, and then I found Simple Plan after listening to Kids Bop. Kids Bob. I'm like, oh, I love this. And then I remember going to their next album, listening to Welcome to My Life. It's like, dude, these guys turned into Lifehouse. <laughs>
0: I don't like Lifehouse. I'm sorry, I don't. And I would disagree because I do like Simple Plan, but I don't like Lifehouse. I don't like Lifehouse or Daughtry. Oh man, Daughtry's first album is phenomenal. I can't. Stand there and it. back again.
1: Oh, that's a great song. They did a song of Slash on that album. It's like Reich.
0: Oh. I don't like Reich either.
1: I'm with you there. I respect them because they're a progressive band, and I think everybody should respect a progressive rock band because yes. They're not going to write the most catchy music, but they're virtuosos when it comes to their musicianship.
0: I like Jeff Tate. I respect Jeff Tate. Like he let me get into a a complete screaming match with his sound guy at a venue one time cuz I told him how his sound guy was acting and he was like, "Well, if he's being a dick, you can be a dick to him. I don't care. I won't be upset." And I was.
1: I was really? Like, that guy was an
0: asshole. Oh my god. This sound guy comes out and he tells me I was I was working at I was mixing a Jeff Tate show. Um well, I wasn't mixing. He had his own guy, but I was working it and I I mixed the opening act I they ran sound for them. And Jeff Tate was doing an acoustic tour for a 20th album anniversary, a 20th anniversary for an album, I guess. worded better. Idiot. Um, and like they sound checked and he had like this five or six piece group with him doing just an acoustic version of this one album. And the opening band was this three piece band. They were kind of like a Tesla sounding rock band and they sounded great. And the dude was being a complete dick to me because I had the bass player mixed in the PA. I was like, dude, yeah, there's a bass player on stage. Of course he's going to be in the PA. He's like, yeah, well my, my act doesn't have any low end, so I don't need the opener having low end and making us sound weak. And I was like, you want me to turn the bass player off? He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. I was like, I'm not sabotaging a band just for your ego. Like, People are here to see Jeff Tate. It doesn't matter what he sounds like. They're going to like it, and you know how to mix, so he's going to sound fine. They don't know the opening band, so you should try to make them look good. And he he was fighting me and threatening to try to throw me out of my own venue for... Well, wow, that's pretty messed up. Because he wanted me to turn the, make them quieter and turn the bass player off, because he didn't have a bass player. It's like, don't yell at me, because your, your agency and label put this band on opening for him. And this is what he got like, that's their fault. If you didn't want anybody to have a bass player, you should have had him book an acoustic act to open the tour. And I fought him too. I told Jeff what was going on. And Jeff told me to fight him on it. And I fought him on it. And I, I almost, I threw him out of the venue at one point and told him to go take a walk for 20 minutes. And I had security throw that guy out for a while. And then he came back and he mixed Jeff Tate and life went on and venue management, was watching me because I wasn't in, ma- I don't think I was in management at this point at that venue doing talent buying or anything, but management watch was standing over my shoulder, watching me curse this guy out and tell him to go fuck himself. And he would just, he just on and on and on and on he just would not. And I told the band what happened after the fact. And I think they ended up, they ended up hiring their own sound guy to go with them on tour. Cause they were afraid that he was going to sabotage him at every venue. But Jeff Tate wow. didn't care. He was on my side. He was like, no, he probably had a history early in the
1: tour where he was acting the same way,
0: I guess. Oh, that guy didn't know what he was doing. He was sitting, He was When he came in to listen to the PA, he was sitting under the PA when he came in to listen to it to see what it sounded like and tell me what it, he thought it needed. It's like, you're not going to hear it sitting under it, dipshit. You got to sit out here where you can hear it. <laughs> oh, probably short.
1: was a guy back in the day that grew up listening to Queensryche and Kiss, Kicks, and all those
0: <laughs> – 80s Firehouse. bands
1: that were no good. Firehouse, yeah, Y and T.
0: God, God, Kicks played a little. Not to keep going off topic, Kicks played this little bar in my hometown. There's like eight thousand people who live in this town, and they played this little tiny bar that had no lights, no PA, and no stage. And they brought everything in, and it was like, "Why are you playing here?" That's they when put you put the know money up
1: front, and they said, "We we have a lot of alcoholics in this town."
0: It's <laughs> We'll definitely get your cut by the end of the night. Oh my God, seriously. <laughs> it's when you know you haven't made it as an 80s band, when you're playing a town for 50 and 60-year-old cougars that are missing teeth. Good Lord. One hit song. <sighs> they should have had zero hits. It would have been better for them. A couple of
1: their songs are played on Harry Aston. But... Good Lord. <laughs>
0: Okay, I, I'm way off topic now. You got, you got me on a rant. See, we talked about Queensrake, and I went on a rant. That's what happens. I, I got plenty of people I could bitch about if we if we had the time. But maybe maybe more stories will come up in other episodes of bad experiences from working in the industry.
1: Yeah, I really don't have much experience just with the student activity board and undergrad. I worked with a little Uzi Vert.
0: Worked with Mayday Parade. I can't stand any rapper. The main, who calls himself Little Anything. I can't Lil. stand him. Lil. 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 Oh. Uh, I'm a rapper. Sure you are, Junior. And I'm Picasso. Great. Right. <laughs> <Dear> right. Lord. <laughs> well, I don't think that sums it up, everybody. I think it sums it up. Don't Don't start a rap album and call yourself Little Anything. That's the whole synopsis of this entire episode. Don't listen to Queensryche and don't call yourself little anything.
1: Eh, Queensryche's all right. If you haven't ever listened to him, check them out. Fuck that guy. Don't, that listen, to kicks, <laughs> don't listen to kicks though. Or don't listen to kicks or firehouse or Y and T or kingdom come.
0: Here's what you're going to do. If somebody, if you're in a car with somebody and they say, Hey, I got this kicks album. That's really good. Let's listen to it. You should immediately get out and take your chances in playing in traffic it'd be better for you. Mentally. Nah, I don't do that. Be better nah. mentally for you. Oh, nah, I, don't I, I wouldn't wish anything on anybody to listen to a kicks album. There's worse. True. Listen to
1: ace of bass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now I, now I'm going to throw up. God. Great. Thanks Ryan. I'm sick. Good grief.
1: Or weird out Yankovic.
0: Yeah, that's, that's bad. <sighs> You, can't you don't like them? Amish Paradise? No, it's dumb. Or, or Stuck Colio's in the Drive-Thru?
1: Coolio's going to be ticked. <laughs> I don't know what Stuck in Drive-Thru is. <laughs>
0: Tim making fun of R. Kelly
1: stuck in a closet. <laughs> well, that's funny. And it's all 10 but minutes. But I'm not going I don't too. like listening to it. Yeah, he did Yoda, the parody of Dominic McLean's American Pie. That, that's, that's disgusting.
0: okay maybe but Amish Paradise is funny to me him making fun of Gangster's Paradise that's that one's pretty funny and same with White and Nerdy I I think that's funny too
1: that's dumb
0: dumb (laughs) Chamillionaire is an awesome
1: southern rapper if you haven't heard of him he's a lot better songs than Ryden
0: he's a lot better songs than than Weird Al
1: Chamillionaire is a really good artist
0: I'm not just saying he has not been paid for this endorsement that we know of that you know of that I know of <laughs> oh man everybody's gonna like find our podcast and be like you just have to listen to the last half hour of it it's hilarious don't so, don't worry about up, what their discussion is just listen to that last half hour where they babble like idiots
1: don't listen to Ace of Bass or Kicks <laughs> listen to Millionaire.
0: <laughs> oh we talked about all these puck bands that were like Just listen to Chameleon It's fine. It's fine. It's much better. Oh, well, with that, I think think that's a wrap on this first full episode.
1: Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Sorry I got opinionated. Sorry Drew got opinionated, but that's how it is. I guess you can say sorry. I'll say sorry for myself.
0: I'm never sorry for my opinions. My opinions are my own. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. There's plenty of other good podcast out there with people like Ryan who are half decently respectable people who have good opinions. And then there's podcasts like this where you have Ryan who's going to be known as a nice guy and I'm probably going to have a t-shirt to wear around that says asshole on it, which is fine. I've already come to terms with this. Yeah, but you, you weren't very keen on
1: my simple plan opinion. So we might have to revisit that someday.
0: We're going to have to, we're going to have to make an episode of just of, differing opinions on bands that we like and don't like. And then we can argue back and forth about it and make fun of them. That could be a good episode. It's going to be every episode. <laughs> if you like that idea,
1: listen to any episode. I'm going to come back. Scroll we- down and click any episode and it'll, that's what it will be.
0: I'm going to come back next week and be like, hey, Ryan, you know, I was listening to Firehouse and I think, you know, I, I think we got it wrong. no. <laughs> we should do an episode on the hair
1: bands that didn't get exposure that we think are actually decent, but we'd have to go through so much crap that we probably wouldn't end up finding a good hair band.
0: Be like I I started and I looked through and then it ended with kicks and I just, I gave up again. (laughs) All right. Well, that's our first episode. Thank you all for listening so much. Please, if you liked this episode, I hope you did. I hope you don't find me as big of an asshole as Ryan does. Just give us four or five star review, make it so other people see us and want to listen to us. If you enjoyed this episode, please stay tuned. We're going to do more of these episodes. I hope as providing Ryan doesn't throw me out or doesn't send me into a crippling depression from differing opinions.
1: Don't be that person. Let <laughs> other people have opinions and let yourself
0: have opinions. Don't be a snowflake. Don't be Little Snowflake. That's going to be everybody's rap name now, Little Snowflake. Or You'll little, always melt. Or Little Porcelain. That'll be the other. That'll be their little porcelain. So thank you all so much. Be a for, solid
1: that stays frozen. Yeah. Be a solid that stays frozen.
0: <laughs> little dry ice. <laughs> that was super dry.
1: Super. That was a super dry statement. <laughs>
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. Please tune in next week. This has been The Anna Scene. I am Drew Zimmerman. This is my co-host. Hey, I'm Ryan Sharp. We'll see you next time. Take care.